Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Cameron here with episode 261 of the Tudor Podcast, the Monday morning show for anyone in the business of helping people through teaching, tutoring or coaching. And as always, I'm here to share ideas and insights I've had, ideas I've borrowed or just plain stolen during the 24 years I've been in business and from the tens of thousands of pounds I've invested in training education and countless hours reading and research and to share it all with you in a no-nonsense no bs way so if you're good with that let's crack on with today's show now today i want to talk about fear the two sides of fear there's the fear of failure and the fear of success and i also want to talk about one of the things that we could do that will help us when we want to avoid taking action especially action that might make us fail or succeed so the first and obvious fear is the fear of failure fear of failure it's understandable isn't it nobody wants to fall on their backside in front of people fear of failure is good in that it'll help you to stay safe in your current position your current paradigm if you like it's tied up with the fear that we might not be good enough to to make it at that thing we most want to do. So in business, you may not be good enough to actually make a living doing it or a fortune. Maybe we're afraid that if we fail, people will laugh at us and think we're a bit crazy. Tied in with that, there's this idea that I think many of us have of who do we think we are when we start out? Who do we think we are to strike out on our own? Who do we think we are to shape our own future? Who do we think we are to ask for what we're truly worth? Many of us are conditioned to ask ourselves that question. And it doesn't serve us. In addition to that, if we fail, we've got the fear of loss. The fear that you'll never get the time back if you fail. You'll never get the time back if you don't do anything. You can't get the time back. So get into action. There's the fear that you might lose money. If you figure out a way to lose money, do the opposite, and it's probably a way to make money. Additionally, you may worry that you'll lose face in that other people will think less of you because you failed. And on and on we go, with all our excuses to make not even trying into a good strategy in order to avoid the risk of the failures that we fear. The odd thing is, is that the actual thing itself isn't scary. It's the fear of what might happen if we don't knock it out the park straight away that paralyzes us. We end up spending time in a, an imaginary and catastrophized future rather than spending it in an optimized future. 
And as many of you already know, wherever your attention goes, that's what you'll tend to experience in your life. Now, the other side of fear is the fear of success, which is a pretty messed up thing to be afraid of when you think about it, isn't it? We get afraid to succeed because we realize that if we succeed, we'll have responsibilities that we might not yet be comfortable with. Of course, we'll get comfortable with them over time, but at the moment, it's an uncomfortable idea to think of you running a bigger business. If we succeed, then we'll fundamentally change who we are in the world. Because for better or worse, when we do new things and when we dare ourselves to do those new things, particularly the things that frighten us, those things change us. They change our identity. Now, change can be either a fearful prospect or an exciting one. You get to choose. Think of someone going on a parachute jump. It could terrify the living daylights out of you, or it could be a massive adventure. You're doing the same thing either way. Well, one's going to make you more or less wee yourself, and you're the one to put a big stupid grin on your face as you hurtle through the air. It's all a question of how you choose to interpret that fear. Fear or excitement. You get to choose. Now, when you change how you are in the world, you actually destabilize and endanger the known levels of your social order and your relationships. And you might realize that certain people around you need to be seen less. They might need to be eliminated from your life altogether. This is the principle of don't deal with tossers. DDWT, one of my golden rules. You'll notice that there are a lot of people around you who are good talkers, but awful doers. They talk, 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 do nothing. Don't be one of those people. Because they blow a lot of hot air about things they know absolutely jack about. Giving out tons of free advice from a position of no knowledge and zero experience. Don't listen to them. Get rid of the good talkers, lousy doers. Seek out experts who are already successful doing what you do. Because that's your tribe. So for both of these sides of fear, inaction is a great strategy for achieving nothing. It keeps you safe. But do you really want to be safe in your current position? I don't think so. Inaction is actually an active strategy. You're choosing to do nothing. And in so doing, you surrender yourself to circumstances. You give up your ability to control how things go down. And you give over control of your life and your outcomes to someone or something else so that they can decide your fate for you. That's not very smart, is it? So, what can we do about it? Well, before we do anything else, I want you to listen to this one simple idea. Start thinking on paper. Start writing stuff down. Grab yourself a pad, a decent pen, and start writing. When you read back some of what you're, you're writing, you'll be convinced of your own genius and sagacity or if you'll need to seek out professional help. You'll also have to reprocess the ideas as you write. 
particularly when you write longhand. So I always propose that people write longhand in a hopefully a hard bound robust book so you can look back and get pointers from the trail of clues you've left along the way so longhand decent book decent pen a quiet safe space in which to think and a big block of time that's just for this think fest that means no phones no computer just you and your thoughts I want you to start writing down the fear side. This is where you write down the very worst thing that could happen. It's a real balls up. The outcome is disastrous. Look at all of its potential worst case scenario consequences. All the money aspects of it, the social aspects of it, the time and the legacy aspects of it. What are you leaving behind in this trail of destruction? Write them down. Make them as scary as scary can be. Maybe you lose all your money. Maybe you lose all your friends. Maybe you'll be thought of as the village idiot. Maybe you'll devote years to something that didn't work out. And maybe you'll leave behind a legacy of you being a failure. Write down all the costs and the downsides of trying and failing. Then flip it. Look at all the benefits and the upsides of trying and failing. There may well be benefits to doing nothing. You may stay where you are. Keep your current friends. You might stay with the tribe that you're in where you're known and accepted. And then think about other people's responses. The people around you that you want there. Who'll be there for you if nothing changes and you stay the same? If you lose years and you lose all your money... All still be there for you. Write it down. Then go on to the success side. Think about the very best outcome that could happen. This is where you basically walk on water and shit diamonds. Think of all the consequences of success. Think of huge amounts of money and fortune that you could generate. Think about the social aspects of it. You get to move in different circles. You get to be able to help the people around you. Think of the time. How much fun is it going to be to successfully pursue your dream? And then think of the legacy. If you leave behind a body of work, a robust operational business that can be passed on to your legatees. Think of all the benefits and the upsides of trying and succeeding. Write them down. Then think of all the costs and the downsides of trying and succeeding. You may lose some friends. You may lose something else. A friend of mine has been incredibly successful and now has to have a minder with him all the time. And he's lost some privacy because he needed to raise his level of security. That's one of the downsides of success for him. And then look at those other people's responses again. If everything works out and you become successful, who'll be there for you? And now, now that you've written it down and you've looked your demons in the eye, 
and you can laugh at the ridiculousness of your thinking. You can give thanks for your being so alert and so grateful for your gift of vision, amongst other things. Then you can make better rational decisions and take wiser actions. Will it get you past the point of fear? Yeah, I believe it will. Because when you look at your reasons for not taking the appropriate action in pursuit of your worthy goals, you realize they're mostly just illusions. Some of them you can tolerate. Some of them you could actually embrace. Some of them might give you a pause for thought so you can weigh up whether that loss is worth the benefit of going after it. Let me share one of my fear stories. It's based on a friend of mine. She's a piano teacher. I've known her for a long time. Uh, we'll call her Helen, though that's not her real name. And she, Helen's an excellent piano teacher. She's got decades in the game. She's qualified to master's level. She's a composer, a great singer, and a thoroughly good egg. Passionate teacher. Now, the... The COVID lockdown hit her really hard. She lost a load of students and didn't fare well under house arrest and on Zoom. She bitterly resented the theft of her right to make a living. And I'd just better get down off my soapbox before this becomes a rant. Right, back to the story. So Ellen was facing a choice when we were all finally let out of prison. The choice was starting over again in teaching or giving up and looking for a normal job. Now, her heart's in the music. It always has been. But she was burning cash, running out of cash rapidly and had only so much time left to run before she was up the creek. So something had to change. She got in touch with me to see if I had any genius ideas. And I didn't have any genius ideas, I just had ideas. We had a long com phone conversation to figure out how to restart her business quickly and to save her from wage slavery. What I found was that she was doing absolutely nothing to be found by prospective students. They had no web presence. She'd pretty much lost all the word of mouth recommendations as COVID lockdowns annihilated social congress. So she was effectively invisible. Now, I don't care how good you are. If nobody knows about you, you're basically screwed. So we discussed some strategies that she could implement quickly to be found to attract some more students and get that business of hers back on its legs. We said, well, website, you've pretty much got to have one these days. If you don't, you may struggle. Because the first thing that anybody does when looking for anything these days is they tap on their phone or their computer and they Google piano teacher in my area. We've talked a lot about social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all that stuff. And I'm not a huge fan of it myself but for some people it works very well one of my ex-students advertises heavily on Facebook and he seems to be doing okay he's a good guy then we talked about advertising uh, she was looking at ads in the local newspapers 
Um, I suggest she, she just put flyers and leaflets up everywhere she could. And the same leaflet should go through the door of all of the houses in her home area. So we continue to talk. There are things like events, open days, trade stands, uh, school extension evenings at both schools and colleges, community centres, even shopping malls. I said that she had to tell everybody what she did and to make them an offer. Give them a free intro session. Pay people a referral fee if they referred other people to her. Now, I do this in property. I offer my tenants and my friends a £1,000 finder's fee if they put me in touch with someone who wants to sell a property if we complete the deal. They think that's a great idea. For them, it might be a phone call, two phone calls at most. And then a couple of months later, there you are, there's a grand. It works. I said to Helen that she should also think about getting dressed up, not in a kinky way. Maybe some T-shirts printed, other items that get you seen and make people ask questions about, what's that piano teaching on your T-shirt? Also, signage, on-site and off-site. Can you advertise with signs anywhere? I'm a, a bit of a landmark business here in Brosley, where I live. People actually use the banners on my fence that advertise my teaching business when they're giving directions to their friends. I'm almost world famous in Brosley. Now, one of my previous cars was a Honda 4x4 black one. And I had that signed up so that... I actually experienced the full joy of having a stupid name. That meant that I got to meet people in car parks while I was doing everyday stuff, and I get to sort of joke about having a daft name and being a camado. Now, that makes me memorable and likable, and they're two key attributes to social presence and referability. It's a great intro to people's lives. What a stupid name. I remember I once got called whilst driving on the M6 by the guy driving the car behind. He asked if it was my real name, where I was based and what I did. And I said if he bought me a coffee at the next services, I'd sit with him, go through some things and share some useful tips. Thoroughly nice guy, decent cup of coffee and a new student who sang my praises and still does. All off the back of my car. But Helen has a problem. She's a very shy person and didn't want to do the face-to-face -face stuff. That means the social media was out. That means the open days, the events and things, they were all out. So we really just needed to get her moving and doing something positive that suited her personality. She didn't want to be on the internet. I don't know why that is. A lot of women are reticent about that. And she didn't particularly want her name blazed all over the place, which is kind of the advertising world <laughs> uh, eliminated from the possibilities. So 
with all those things in her mind and also lacking the tech savvy to set up a website, even with simple tools that I personally use and recommend, not having much money to advertise as well as being disinclined to do so. She settled on Leaflet in her local area whilst walking her dog. I gave her the details of the firm I used to print my property leaflets and off she went. When I spoke to her two days ago, she's actually booked solid and thriving. She's loving teaching more than ever. She's also making more money than she ever has by helping more people than she ever has before. The leaflets worked. They worked with the odd student here and there. But there was one thing that I hadn't expected that came from her leaflet in the local area. One of the leaflets she dropped out was passed on to another piano teacher who happened to be pregnant and wanted to step away from teaching. She got in touch with Helen and Helen was given, free of charge, the other teacher's entire roster of students. I mean, how cool is that? Everybody won in that scenario. The retiring teacher had an easy out and didn't disappoint her students by leaving them high and dry. Helen got an immediate large influx of students and a hugely jacked up income. And the students had continuity and a more enthusiastic teacher. Win, win, win. But what would have happened and what would not have happened if Helen had succumbed to the fear of failure? Or if she contemplated succeeding at this new higher level and had been frozen out by it? See, whether it's fear of failure or fear of success, fear is the enemy. Action. Action is the key. If you're afraid then you're not alone. So why don't you tell me, what are you afraid of? Does what we've been talking about today resonate with you? Does it make sense? Let me know. Because I'd love to hear from you. Mostly because I'm interested and I'm here to learn. I'm here to help and I'm here to share what I've learned so far. Drop me an email. It's info at neilcamado.com. Or find me on Twitter, where I am, at Tutor Podcast. For now, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the Tutor Podcast. Maybe leave a review. And as always, I'll be back next week with more no BS ideas, more tips to help you to start, grow, and love your tutoring business, just like I love mine. See you next week, and until then, I hope this podcast has got you thinking and has been some help to you. Stay healthy, stay useful, and have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.